0: There we go, you stole my introduction, but it's good to be here, there we go. As Mark mentioned, we've finished our series, We the Church, and it really has been just an amazing series, not just for this community, but for my own heart as well, to see the power and the potential of the local church, but that we are God's people, and if there's one thing I want you to take away is that you are God's people, you are chosen and you are called by God. But the local church is made up of a group of believers, different people, different demographics, different walks of life. But we've encountered the grace of Jesus Christ, and we've been made new through his death and resurrection. And we walk in that power and that authority as believers. But the title of my message this morning is really this, a plea of a pastor. And uh, Mark kind of was prophetic there, but it's because I love this church. I I love this church deeply. I I love this church passionately passionately I I found freedom in this church I found my wife in this church I've stood with friends and family and declared the goodness of God over situations and seeing God heal and seeing God provide in miraculous ways and seeing God restore marriages in this church but it's because God loves his people he loves his people he loves his bride and he is calling us to do the same I I absolutely love this church it is a privilege to be preaching this morning we live family i pray for you often you guys are signs and wonders of his grace and his goodness pray for you often dawn you are a legend in this church this lady is a legend she has prayed for more people than you know lifted more people up in prayer Been here when there's been tough times when there's been health challenges we love you we really do i love this church but my message this morning is a plea of a pastor and it's some, something of a challenge is that maybe you, some of us feel stuck in life. Maybe we struggle to move forward or we've been doing this church thing for a while and maybe it's become a little bit of a tick box and a little bit of just going through the motions This pitch up on Sunday and hope for the best. Let's hope that something changes. But I wanna share these two things with you is that I believe that as God's people, we are called to do two things, stand firm and take action. Stand firm and take action. And the reason I say that is in the book of Daniel, uh, you can go to Daniel, it's just after the Psalms. I'm gonna give you a few moments, maybe go on your phone, take your Bibles out. If you don't have your Bible, I would encourage you, bring your Bible to church, it's a good thing. But it says this in Daniel verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 32. Speaking about the enemy of the day, the Roman rule, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. That's between God's people and God. But this is what Daniel says about God's chosen people. But the people who know their God, the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. The people who know their God will stand firm and take action in a world where there's hopelessness all around in a world where we live in different cultures, cultures of sexual appetites, cultures of our own desires, cultures that we are the king of our lives, as God's people, God's chosen people, his bride, the ones he loves, where we stand firm and take action. And while preparing this message, I just, this prayer has been laid in my heart for you today. So will not you just close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's pray together quickly. But Lord, I ask today, that we will know that we are your people and that you are our God. Place in us a desire to honor you with our lives. Put in us a resolve to place all hope and trust in your mighty name. Show us where we have not made you Lord of our life. May we be ever aware of you, ever submitted to you, ever trusting in you, and ever hoping in you and ever guided by you. Make us shining lights to this world pray this in your mighty name amen and amen it says this in the message version i thought i'd say that after the prayer but it says this in the message they'll throw out the daily worship and set up in its place the obscene sacrilege the king of the north will play up to those who betray the holy covenant corrupting them even further with the seductive talk but those who stay courageously loyal to their god will take a strong stand My question today is, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like as a believer to follow God? I think it's written there that will take a strong stand. But just a little bit of history. Uh, You may not uh, know this, just looking at me, I am a pro athlete, but I'm also a little bit of a nerd, so I'm going to give you just a short history lesson, is that there are two main characters when uh, Daniel is writing this prophetic declaration, and this is partly fulfilled by the Roman rule. And there's these two main characters which you need to know. One is called Judas Maccabeus, Judas of the Maccabees. And the other is this man named Antiochus. And he was a ruler of Syria in that time. But this man named Antiochus, he was just an evil dude. He, he did uh, terrible things in his life. And he came to pillage and plunder different countries, basically trying to extend the kingdom of Alexander the Great but he um, made this name for himself called Epiphanes. So he called himself Antiochus Epiphanes, which means God manifest. He believed that he was the God of the day. He believed that all things needed to bow down to his name, that he would almost create this culture of pursuing the good. And it was a culture that he believed that the ultimate good in life was pursuit of man's own pleasures. And so he believed these things, That the pursuit of the good was pursuit of happiness, pursuit of pleasure, pursuit of material gain, pursuit of sexual appetites, pursuit of one's own desire, pursuit of one's own good. And I don't know about you, but does that sound familiar to the culture of today? We like to pursue our own needs, our own wants, our own lives, our own things. But there was also another man named Judas Maccabeus. And he decided that actually he would stand up against this to this revolution, that he would not allow this man Antiochus to plunder the kingdom of Israel and to plunder the temple of Jerusalem. He would not do this. But so these two different ways of lives were in complete contrast to one another. There was this one way of life that was just living for your own desire, your own pleasures, but there was this other way of life which was the Jewish people God's chosen people, which was a total way of life, lived for God and God alone. And so you see these two different ways of life play out in contrast to one another, but also fight one another. And this is not a new thing. This has been since the dawn of time that we chose to make ourselves kings of our life rather than making God the king of our lives. And so we see this played out time and time again in society. But God's people were God's chosen people for a reason. They were supposed to be a light, to a shining light to the world, as it says in Isaiah. That's what God's people are supposed to be. We are supposed to be shining lights to the world in a culture which is hopeless, in a culture of debauchery, in a culture in desperate need of his freedom and his goodness. But unfortunately, when I look at the culture of today, and sometimes when I look at the church, I see us less as a shining light and more of a mirror to today's culture. And so the challenge is, though, that as God's people, we are supposed to be dedicated to God and God alone. And so this man named Judas Maccabeus got a small group of men around him and he made them read the scriptures and pray out loud before they went into battle. And this small group of men actually stopped Antiochus from plundering the temple of Jerusalem. And what they did once they won the battle, they went to the highest place in the city and they erected an altar of worship and praise to God and called that altar dedication, dedicated to God. And that's the reason why the Jewish people um, celebrate Hanukkah because it was on the 24th of December, but they would be dedicated to God forever and ever. As believers, we are called to stand firm and take action. We are called to be dedicated to God. This Christian way of life is more than just attending church or coming on a Sunday and hoping that you have enough in the tank to make it to the next Sunday. God wants you to be dedicated to him. He wants you to live full lives in him, to have all fullness of life in him, in him alone. We are called to be dedicated to God. We are called to stand firm and take action. We are called to be shining lights to a world in desperate need of hope and freedom. That's what we are called to do as God's people. Following Jesus is not about liking him. Following Jesus is about being like him as believers. We are called to show something to the world. In our lives, in our thought lives, in our marriages, we are called to show that we are dedicated to God and God alone. If someone had to put a camera on every aspect of your life, would it show people Jesus? The answer to my own life is probably not. But we are called to be dedicated to God. See, Jesus desires not only to be Savior of your life, but Lord of your life. Lord of every part. Lord of the messy bits. Lord of the low bits. Lord on the mountaintops. Lord when your marriage is thriving. Lord when your marriage is in trouble. Lord of every part of your life. We sing it on a Sunday that he is Lord of all. But Monday to Saturday do we live it. He wants you to be dedicated to God. Believers, we are called to be shining lights. Therefore, let his light shine on you in every area. We are called to be shining lights. We are called to rise up again in faith, stand firm and take action. We stand firm on his truth. We stand firm on the word and we take action as believers because we are called to change this world for his gospel and his kingdom. Amen? And in 1 Peter... These words are echoed. Peter is writing to a group of Jewish believers who are under persecution and under trial and trying to do this thing about standing firm and taking action and believing in Jesus Christ but being in the world and the culture of today and he is writing to this group of believers and I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 1 verse 13 to 16. says this and it will be up on the screen behind me so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control that word prepare your minds for action in other translation it means gird up the loins of your mind now before the single people get excited and yeah i'm not talking about those loins but what the Roman Roman legion would do is before they went into battle, they had these long flowing robes and they would tuck that robe into their belts so that they could run freely and go into battle without any hindrance. That is what we're supposed to do in our minds. We are supposed to prepare our minds for battle and be people of God without any hindrance. See, how many times have I stumbled in my life because of the things that I believed about myself or others? How many times have I stumbled in my life because of my anxieties and fears and doubts? How many times have I stumbled because of my thought life? But I'm supposed to run, before me, run the race marked out before me without any hindrance. That's what we call to do as believers, but we cannot do that if our minds are not prepared. We're supposed to stand firm. We're supposed to, we do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. We need to know who our God is and who we are in our God. We are God's dedicated people and we can stand firm because he gives us the power to do so. Peter tells us to prepare our minds for action. Because we are supposed to be shining lights to the world. Because we are supposed to run the race marked up before us. Because we are supposed to live with eternity in mind. Because as believers, we are called to be part of his kingdom and forward his kingdom. Are you reading his word? We cannot prepare our minds if we do not read his word. Because we are being filled with something but are we being filled with his spirit and his truth? Are you reading his word? See, the enemy wants to fill you with lies, but his word wants to bring truth and freedom and healing. Are you serving people? Why do I believe in serving others so much? Because Jesus Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. And if we are called to be like him, then we must do as he did but it's a condition of our hearts to serve others. So chances are, if you are just coming to church and not serving others, then chances are you're just serving yourself. And I know that's challenging, but we are called to be shining lights to the world and show the world a different way of life, and we are called to be like Jesus, so are we serving others, not just ourselves, are we serving Him? It's a different way of life, church. We just preached this amazing series on we, the church. But we are also God's people and we are called to be his people. And the two interact when we serve the world, when we go out and we are shining lights to a nation in desperate need of hope and freedom. One in three households are single-parent households in South Africa. They are households which needs fathers, and mothers, and people like us to show love and kindness and care. We are called to be the church. We are God's chosen people. We are an instrument of warfare for his kingdom. It's not enough to just attend church on a Sunday church. See, change is not just saying no to sin. Change comes by saying yes to him. Will we say yes to his call, yes to his purpose over our lives? It continues in 1 Peter, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. That phrase, put all your hope, it it, it struck my heart when I read this because I know that I do not put all my hope in him. Often I put my hope in my own abilities. I put my hope in my bank account. I put my hope in my wife. I put my hope in my job and my ability to do things and perform to certain measures. But he's saying, put all my hope in the grace we have received through Jesus Christ. What would it look like in your life to put all your hope in Jesus? To put all your hope? Believers, you can trust him. He is faithful even when we are faithless. We sang that song, Too Good Not To Believe. Do you trust Him with your family? Do you trust Him with your health? Do you trust Him with your financial future? And if you truly trust Him, does your life reflect it? I've seen people healed of cancer. My father is a testimony of God's grace that He is here today. He, we got the news on Friday that He is cancer free. And it's nothing to do with our own abilities. It's only to do because we serve a mighty and powerful God. You can trust him. You can put all your hope in him. I know there are people in this room who sometimes feel hopeless because of their situation. But I promise you, your situation will bow down to the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We can put all of our hope in him. Stand firm in hope. Stand firm in his grace and take action, church. Psalm 147, verse 10 to 11 says this. His delight is not in the strength of the horse nor his pleasure in the legs of man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. He takes pleasure when you hope in him and him alone, when you place all your hope in him because his hope will not put us to shame, church. We can hope in him, you can believe in him, And I know there's believers in this room who have served him for many years, but maybe your hope has grown grown dim over time. Hope in him again. You can hope in him. You can place all trust in him. Christianity is first, God graciously, freely acting to save his people. And second, man hoping fully in that grace. That's the essence of Christianity. God freely acting to save his people and people, hoping in that grace? Do you hope in the grace that you have received? In other words, God's command and God's delight are not first what you can perform for him with your strength. The command and delight are first that you hope in him when what he can perform for you with his strength. It's not about you. We did not make ourselves a people for him. He made us his people. He proclaimed His name over us. He called you. He created you. He delights in you because of who he is. Do you know him? Do you truly know him? Not just know about him, but do you know him and does your life know him and does he know you? That's the call as his children. Goes on in verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Well, there we go. If we're supposed to stand firm and take action, we're supposed to prepare our minds, we're supposed to hope in him, but then we're also supposed to be obedient children. The first thing I want you to find there is that you are his children. You are his sons and daughters. He has adopted you into his family. But too often we can come with the mindset that we don't measure up to his goodness. That we actually can't ask him, we actually can't put all hope in him. Because we haven't performed to the measure that he would desire. That's not your Father in heaven, sir or ma'am. When he looks down upon you, he sees the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. That you have been purchased and bought at a cost, and he was happy to pay that cost. The debt is paid. We need to stop living like the rent is due. You are his children. Therefore, be obedient. Be submitted to his word be submitted to his ways be submitted to the core on your life there is more for you than just going through life and seeking your own desires and own pleasures there's eternity at stake are you aware of it but if there's eternity at stake will change the way that you live that we do not live for ourselves but we live for him and him alone that we are shining lights in the world, not a mirror to culture and society. Then it goes on, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. You didn't know better. But because I have encountered the grace of Jesus Christ, now I have found freedom and truth in him and in his word. We know better if we know Jesus. But so we need to stop going back to our old ways of life. We need to stop going back to the patterns and the ways of living that we used to live without the grace of Jesus Christ. Because his word says, you, the old is gone, the new has come, you are now alive in Christ and are a new creation. But I believe there are too many Christians dragging their old dead body behind them and cannot walk into the future that God has for them. The old has gone, the The new has come. Do not slip back into your old way of life. Peter is declaring this to a group of believers who are struggling to stand firm and take action. Do not go back to old ways. Do not go back to old patterns of living. Do not go back to hiding things from people and keeping things in the dark. Bring them to light and let his light shine so that you can be a shining light to the world. That's what the gospel calls us to be as believers. There's a different way of living. There's this wall between the two ways of life, our own desires, our own name, and his name and his way of life as God's people. When's the last time that you actually confessed something to someone so that you could find freedom and healing? When's the last time you had someone speak into your life about the purposes and plans that God has for you? When's the last time you've come to God With some of your desires and gone, actually, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. We are called to be different. Don't slip back into your old way of life. As believers, we do not live for our own desires, but for God's glory by his grace. See, if you really want to obey the command to obey him fully, don't let your mind drink in things that numb the mind and your heart to the value of God's grace. Don't let your mind drink in things that numb your mind and heart to the value of God's grace. He paid it all on the cross for you so that you could live in freedom and not go back to your old way of life. The point is to know what numbs your mind to God and avoid it. Stay sober for the sake of full and passionate hope in God's grace. And then he finishes this in verse 15 and 16. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. This idea of holiness in the Old Testament meant to be separated from every evil thing in life. And that speaks about who our God is, that he is separate from every evil thing in life. But this word holy means to be set apart. There is none like him that he is the God who created the heavens and the earth and there is none like him, that all man-made things will bow down to his name. There is none like him, that he is set apart for a different purpose, for a different plan and he has eternity in his hands and we are called to be set apart as his people as he is set apart. We are supposed to live lives for God, separate from the world, but for his grace and his goodness and his grace empowers you to do so. We are called to be set apart. You must be holy because I am holy. See, the holiness of God is the most fundamental reality of all. There is none like him. He is the greatest value in this life. Not your bank account, not your marriage, not your family, not all the good things given to you by God, but God is the greatest value. Will we live for that value? will we be shining lights in the world will we be a dedicated people who stand firm and take action see before we encountered his grace we were blind to the value of god but the old has gone and the new has gone come can i ask the band to come up now see god leads us in putting away our old desires and experiencing new ones we are set apart for his purposes through his spirit we have the power to say no to sin and say yes to him because of his grace and his goodness we can be holy because he is holy we are called to be a light to the nations this is a plea from a pastor he wants you to live changed and fully transformed lives he doesn't want you to come to him as paupers He wants you to come to him as sons and daughters. He wants you to live a life which shows the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ in every area of your life. He wants to show you his grace and his goodness and his favor. So will you allow him to by coming to him and surrendering your life before him? We are called to stand firm and take action. And maybe you've heard a thousand preachers like this but has your life been changed and transformed by his gospel and his word? Because until that moment, we're just going through the motions. We're just ticking the boxes. And we're just dragging that old dead body around and not allowing him to fully transform us. He wants your life so, oh, ma'am. He wants your life. Will you allow Him to have it? Will you give it up to Him freely and surrender and watch what He does with it? We are supposed to live God-centered lives. When you are hoping in Him, you are living a God-centered life. When you are being holy because He is holy, you are living a God-centered life. John Piper says it this way, christian living is living permeated by god it's god in the morning god in the midday god in the evening god as motive god as guide god as moral standard god as comfort god as strength god as truth and god as joy it is a life lived to god will you be dedicated to him and him alone stand firm and take action church Stand firm and take action. What are areas of your life where you need to surrender again to him? What are areas of your life where you need to take action in? Are you loving people? Are you loving his bride? Are you speaking words of truth over your wives and spouses? Are you teaching your your little ones in all things in his word and his truth? Are you forwarding his kingdom in your businesses? Are you paying your employees well because you trust in him? Are you trusting him with your finances and your bank accounts and your marriages and your mental health? Are you trusting him? Put all your hope in him again. That's the core of this. Put all your hope in him again. You can trust him, church. He is faithful. He is faithful when every hand was outstretched that there is need in our lives, do you know that He is faithful? Put all hope in Him again. Put all hope for your loved ones. Put all hope for your family. Put all hope for yourself and your future and your children. Put all hope in Him. Can we stand? Close eyes. Lord, I, I love this church. I love your bride. And my prayers, Lord, as your people, we will be fully dedicated to you. Not patterns of this world, not behaviors, that we won't be enslaved to our own desires and lusts that where there's areas of our lives which we, have been, which we have kept hidden and kept in the dark, Lord, I pray that we will choose to bring it to the light. We will choose to bring it to you, that we will repent and turn away from our old way of life and turn towards you because the old has gone and the new has come and in you we are a new creation. I pray right now that men and women will decide and choose to prepare their minds for action that we will be a shining light to the world, but that we will be ever aware of you, that we will be ever submitted to you. We will be ever trusting in you, ever hoping in you, and ever guided by you. Lord, thank you that you make us your people. Thank us that you call us your own. Thank you that we can put all hope and all trust in you, but that you are calling us as believers who know their God to stand firm and take action. I pray that men and women in this place will decide to take action. They will decide to put sin to death today. They will decide to say yes to the promises and plans that you have for them. They will decide to stand firm in your truth for their marriages, for their future, for the nation of South Africa. They will decide to stand firm and take action. And if that's you today, won't you just raise your hand? With all eyes closed, will you raise your hand? Lord, I thank you for these people. I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you've called them. I thank you that you've chosen them, Lord. That we are all testimonies of your grace and your goodness. But I pray that they will choose to live lives fully dedicated to you. That the community of Tableview will be forever changed because of this moment. That the city of Cape Town will be forever changed because of this moment. That the businesses in South Africa will be forever changed because of this moment. Because sons and daughters are choosing to live fully for you, Lord. Are choosing to oppose the culture of today and saying that we stand firm and take action. May there be testimonies of your grace out of this time, Lord. May there be testimonies of freedom and healing and restoration from this time, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in your mighty name. Have your way. Amen.